What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Well, that's a great way to start off a message this morning by singing of how fair and wonderful the Lord Jesus Christ is. Let's uh, first all look to him first in prayer again. We thank you, Lord, that you are so beautiful. You are beautiful, Lord, and we worship you this morning. We worship you because, Lord, of the beauty of your holiness, of your love for us, which was unfailing, of those decisions that you made to follow the, the Father's will and to be and take the cup, that awful cup, love drank it up. We thank you, Lord, for going to the cross for our sins and for opening heaven's door with your own blood. We thank you this morning. Help us, Lord, to learn from you as we study this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to start a new book this morning. And, uh, you know, we finished the book of Esther, which meant that we couldn't leave the other woman jealous in the Bible, so we're going to do the book of Ruth. So if you'd all like to turn there in the book of Ruth, and I won't tell you where it is in your Bible, so you'll have to find it. It's uh, in Ruth chapter 1, and we're going to look this morning, first of all, as an introduction to this book, but uh, follow along here as I read these first seven verses of Luke. What am I saying? Of Luke. No, what am I saying? Ruth. Ruth. I don't know why they put two books in the Bible that rhyme so much as Ruth and Luke. That's a problem, but we'll get over it. So this is Ruth, chapter 1, verse 1. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Kilian, Ephratites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left, and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. And they dwelt there about 10 years. And Malon, Malon and Kilian died also, both of them. 
and the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Wherefore, she went forth to the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her and went on the way to return to the land of Judah. All right, now, so we're gonna start this book here, the book of, of Ruth, and this is one, as you know, one of the shortest books in the Bible. There's only 85 verses, but like all the Word of God, it has this characteristic. It's just packed with treasures of truth, and we can imagine that God just can't wait to reveal these things to us as we give ourselves to the serious study of this book. And like all the books in the Bible, these treasures of truth when we let the book of Ruth, like all the books in the Bible, we will be led to the central theme of the Bible, who is the fairest Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ. We know this is true because the Lord Jesus Christ gave us a, a verse to guide us in all of our study of the Bible, and that's John chapter 5, verse 39, where he said these words, search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they that which testify of me. So when the Lord Jesus Christ said, search the scriptures, he meant all the scriptures. He meant every part of the scriptures. He meant the book of Ruth as one of the parts of the scriptures. And the Greek word that's used there for search means to investigate. So when you investigate something, the first thing you do is you take it seriously. To investigate means to undertake a serious search. And so following what, what the Lord told us, what we're gonna do here as we go through the book of Ruth is we're gonna take it seriously, like all the scriptures. We're not gonna view the book of Ruth as, as another Bible story. It's not a bedtime story, it's not a fairy tale, but we're gonna investigate the book of Ruth like serious investigators. And John 5.39 tells us the goal of our investigation. Where are we going with our investigation? Well, when it says that, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have life, and they eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. That means that in the book of Ruth, we'll search for the Lord Jesus Christ. He's our goal. He's the one we want to see in the book of Ruth. We wanna see the Lord Jesus Christ in the book of Ruth. So we're gonna look at the book of Ruth as a very important historical account that God has put together for us. God has directed the writing of the book of Ruth, and there's a purpose, and we're told what God's purpose is in the book of Ruth, as with all of the Bible, and you might wanna turn to this, in Romans 15, four. Romans chapter 15, verse four. And here, in Romans 15, four, we have a very important verse, because it says here in Romans 15, four, the purpose, God's purpose for not only the book of Ruth, but for the whole of the Bible, it says it like this, Romans 15, four. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now notice these words in Romans 15, four, very important. 
that these were written for our learning. That, that tells us the Bible is written for our learning. So when we start our study in the book of Ruth, we're gonna look at the book of Ruth and say, this book of Ruth was written for my learning. It was written for my learning. And, and if we're gonna learn, then the last thing that we're gonna say as we come to the book of Ruth is that, that I've been a Christian for longer than the last coat of paint on these walls, whatever color it is. <laughs> and that's a long time. <laughs> and I already know the book of Ruth, so this is not gonna be for me. This is gonna be for young Christians. So, but no, we're not gonna do that. We're gonna say, I may have been a Christian longer than the last coat of paint on these walls. <laughs> and, but the book of Ruth was not written for the coat of paint on these walls. The book of Ruth was written for me. And Romans 15.4 is guiding me so that I can understand. It was written aforetime for my learning, for my learning, and I need to learn. So notice the words of Romans 15.4 where it says, we're gonna learn through patience, that we through patience. Those words tell us that we're gonna have to be patient, as with all the word of God when we study it. I'm gonna be, have to be patient. You're gonna be, have to be patient. You're gonna have to especially be patient because I'm the teacher. And you may not like my stories, so you're gonna say, okay, I gotta be patient, and I gotta just be patient and endure another one of Tom's stories. <laughs> you may not like the Jewish jokes, so then you're gonna have to be, say, be patient and endure another one of Tom's jokes. So, or you, may, you might find the King James Old English not easy on the surface to understand, and that may be a need for patience, but all the way through, God says, be patient, be patient. Don't give up, take it seriously because God promises that if we're patient, if we endure, that all of this through patient is gonna receive for us two great treasures that the Bible has to give, which is given to us in Romans 15.4. And it says, first of all, we are going to receive comfort of the scriptures, what's called comfort of the scriptures. And second of all, we're going to receive what the Bible calls that we might have hope, that we might have hope. That's what God wants to give us as rewards when we come to the book of Ruth. We are going to be patient learners, and God says, if you're a patient learner, I've got a gift for you, I've got a reward for you, I've got the reward of comfort, and I've got the reward of hope. Until we reach the golden shore, and we just sang, I'd rather have Jesus and George Beverly Shea, after over 100 years of his life, he reached the golden shore. But we haven't, and even though we sing his songs, I'd rather have Jesus, Till we reach the golden shore, our lives are going to continue to be lives of trouble as the sparks fly upward. And we're gonna continue to go through one battle after another battle, and in each of those battles, we're gonna continue to be fighting against discouragement. That's our battle, discouragement. And to go on in the battle against discouragement we need comfort. We need to be constantly comforted. And we know where to turn for the comfort. We know what the source of comfort is. It's really who the source is. And 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4 tells us where to turn for comfort, where it says, blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort who comforted us in all our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort 
wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. And according to this verse in Romans 15, 4, the God of comfort, the God of all comfort, is going to comfort us in all our tribulations through the scriptures. Comfort through the scriptures, Romans 15, 4, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures, from the scriptures, might have hope. So we're gonna find this comfort of the scriptures in the book of Ruth as we read the book of Ruth. Until we reach the golden shore of heaven, our lives are gonna continue to be these lives of trouble. And we're gonna go through one battle after another. And in each of those battles, we're going to continue to fight, not only against discouragement, but against despair, giving up. And to go on in the battle against despair, we need hope. And we need to be constantly filled with hope and we know where to turn again for hope, which is given to us in this same chapter, Romans 15, verse 13, where it says, now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. So according to this verse, Romans 15, 4, the God of hope is going to make us abound in hope through the scriptures through the scriptures, that's what it means, Romans 15, 4, and through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope, might receive hope from the scriptures. We're gonna find this hope of the scriptures in the book of Ruth, and we turn to our God, who is the God of hope, that we, that he, that God, through his Holy Spirit, through his Holy Ghost, will make us abound in hope. And the hope that God gives, it's a wonderful term that for the hope God gives. Turn, if you would, please, to 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 16. Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 16, where it describes with one word, one adjective, our hope. It says there, in 2 Thessalonians 2, 16, it says, now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. The hope that God gives us is called a good hope. That's the adjective. It's a good hope. And it's, a, and, and it's, it's, it's good for us to ask the question, why is it a good hope? What makes it a good hope? as it's described here. Why is the hope that God gives us a good hope? The good, it's a good hope because we, we have, it's a good hope we have because of what it says about our hope in 1 Peter 1, 3 through 4. It talks about our hope there. And it says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. So these verses in 1 Peter 1.3 tell us that our hope is good because it's a good hope we have because it's called a lively hope, which means that it's a hope that's not like a stagnant pool, it's, but it's like a bubbling fountain, 
like the Lord spoke when he spoke to that woman at the well in John 4, and he said in John 4, 14, when he was speaking to her and she was so thirsty, she didn't have any hope. She had a stagnant pool for a hope, but she didn't have any hope. And so the Lord said to her in John 4, 14, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. As a matter of fact, Peter, to describe our hope, used the same word lively that the Lord used to describe the water he was speaking about as springing up. It's lively. And the Lord Jesus Christ said in John 4.10, Jesus answered and said unto her, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith unto thee, give me to drink, thou wouldest asked of him and he would have given thee living water or lively water, that's the same word, living water, lively water, as Peter used to describe our hope, lively hope. So like a fountain that's springing up and it's constantly being replenished with fresh water, with new water, our hope is constantly being replenished and the old stagnant despair is pushed out by new fresh hope from God, from the scriptures. It's a good hope, number one. It's a good hope that we have because it's constantly being replenished by God like a spring of living water. Next, it's a good hope that we have because of what it says and it continued to say in 1 Peter 1, 3 through 4, where we read already, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's a good hope we have, because in 1 Peter 1.3, our hope is based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He said that he would be killed by the Gentiles. Was he? Yes. He said that he would be resurrected from the dead. Was he? Yes. That's what our hope is based on. We look at an empty tomb in Jerusalem and we say, my hope is based on the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ is not here. He's raised from the dead. So number two, it's a good hope we have because it's based on the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a good hope we have because of what it says about our hope further in these verses in 1 Peter 3, 1 Peter 1, 3 through 4 words where it says that he has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. It's a good hope we have because in 1 Peter 1, 4, it's a hope to receive an inheritance, an inheritance that God has four things to say about our inheritance. First of all, he says our inheritance is incorruptible. That means it cannot be destroyed. It cannot deteriorate. It is incorruptible. It can't be marred or stained. Then it says number two about our inheritance, that, it is a, that we have an inheritance which is undefiled, undefiled, not polluted with sin not defiled, not stained with sin. It's undefiled. And number three, our inheritance fadeth not away. It cannot devalue. It doesn't matter what happens with our economy. Our inheritance will not devalue. It will not disappear. It, will, it, it, is, a, it is an inheritance that fadeth not away. And then it says the fourth point about our inheritance, 
It's reserved in heaven for you. It's got your name on it right now. It's got your name on it in heaven, and it's being kept for you, reserved. And it's a good hope that we have because it's a hope for a God-given inheritance which is incorruptible, undefiled, fades not away, and is reserved in heaven for us. It's a good hope that we have because of what it says about our hope in Romans 10, 11, where it says, for the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. It's a good hope we have because in Romans 10, 11, it says our hope will not make us ashamed. It won't make us embarrassed. You know, a picture of hope that makes a person ashamed or a picture of hope that's embarrassing is in Matthew 7, 21 through 23. This is a hope that makes ashamed and embarrassing, where the Lord said, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me, in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works, and then, Will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. That's a people who are ashamed. That's a people who are embarrassed. That's a people who are mocked for eternity, who thought that by their good works, they were good enough. They, deserve, they did enough to deserve to get into heaven. And they didn't take God's gift of salvation. They said, sinner, not for me. I don't, uh, that's, I don't need that. I don't need the cross. I don't need the blood. I don't need the Lord Jesus Christ. I've got a good enough life to get me into heaven. And to hope to get into heaven by that way, that wrong way, by being a good person and, and, and to be turned away in shame, in mockery by the others, who said, well, look at you. I thought you were gonna get into heaven by your good works. Shame, mockery, to be turned away for heaven for not coming to God God's way through the Lord Jesus Christ. That makes a person ashamed. We don't have that. We have a good hope because our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, number four, will not make us ashamed. It's a good hope we have because of what it says about our hope in Jeremiah 29, 11, where God says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. It's a good hope that we have because of what it says in Jeremiah 29, 11, because it's based on the goodness of God and the good plans that God has for us, which are for peace and to land us safely on the golden shore of heaven. When we look at the creation, and in Genesis, as we have, and we see there what, what God did. It's just one goodness after another. I mean, so it wasn't just one fruit, many fruits, not just one herb, many herbs, many fruits. Everything is good. Seasons are good. Daytime is good. Nighttime is good. Oceans are good. Everything he did is goodness, goodness, goodness of the Lord. It says in the Bible, the earth is full of the riches of God. All of that reflects the goodness of God. So when it says that he has good plans for us, thoughts of peace, and, and to give us an expected end. That makes our hope a good hope that we have because it's based on God's good plans for us, number five. It's a good hope we have because of what God says about our hope in Isaiah 53.10, where it says, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. 
he, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, was the one who was bruised, the Father. He hath bruised him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. This is talking about what God did. God the Father put the, God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to grief. He bruised him all so that he could make this great invitation. God's plan, make his soul your offering for sin. Put another way, in Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.